Have you ever just had one of those days where, where everything seems to just break down around you and, and things just don't go according to plan? Maybe it's you wake up in the morning and, and your alarm didn't go off or, or you hit snooze in your sleep and so you, you've overslept and, and what that means is that you've you got to quickly get ready because you're going to be late to work. And because you're late to work, now you're stuck in traffic because you had to leave just early enough uh, to miss all that rush hour and now you're stuck in traffic and now you're really going to be late. You get to work, you're excited for lunch, and you drop it on the floor. You get home after this long day and all you want to do is sit down and relax and, and yet when you get home something breaks at home that you have to take care of. Or your kid's having a breakdown that you have to take care of and you can't just sit and relax. And it's one of those days where it's just draining. And you, you run out of steam and you say, you know what, I'm just going to bed early, tomorrow's a new day, let's just get on with it, let's get to that one, this one I can't take anymore. How do you handle those, those days? Those moments when all these breakdowns seem to be happening all around you and, and you feel like you're running out of steam, how do you handle them? For me, I get frustrated, irritable. I get a little angry, I, I lose my patience, and uh, I have a lack of love, to be honest with you. I just need to cash it in and start over tomorrow. But what about those big moments? The big breakdowns that we have. How do we handle those? How do we handle the, that big break when someone that we trusted and that we thought loved us, all of a sudden turned abusive on us. How do we handle the moment, uh, the big breakdown when a Christian who is supposed to be loving and kind because that's what Jesus is, he's loving and kind, treats you like a jerk? How do you handle the big breakdown when, when your child is in trouble, has made some bad choices in life, and deep down you know it's because of choices you made or didn't make as a parent. How do you handle those moments? Those big breakdowns when we feel like we're running out of steam in life. Because guess who's there in every single breakdown, no matter how big or how small, the devil is there. And he's whispering in your ear, Jesus doesn't love you, Jesus doesn't care, Jesus is nowhere to be found. And guess what? He doesn't start with the big breakdowns. To be sure, he's there, but he starts with every single little breakdown that you have in everyday life. And he just plants the seed. Jesus doesn't care. Jesus doesn't love you. And then that big breakdown comes. And what does he want more than anything else? To break down your relationship with Jesus. He wants you to get to the point where you're asking yourself, does he really care. I wonder if that's where the disciples are in John chapter 21. You talk about a breakdown. Think of their life. We covered this a little bit last week, but if you weren't here, let me fill you in. The disciples, three years before this, had a life-changing experience as Jesus came to them and called them to follow him as his own disciples. 
And they left their careers, they left everything that they knew to follow Jesus because Jesus was the Messiah. He was going to be the king, he, he was going to be the one who brought the kingdom back to the Jews, to Israel, they were going to rule Jerusalem. And guess what that meant for the disciples? If they're following Jesus, that means some glory for them. And so for three years, they follow Jesus until all of a sudden they have a big, big breakdown. Jesus dies. They mourn Friday. They mourn Saturday. Early Sunday morning, reports come that Jesus rose from the dead. They weren't sure, but they locked themselves in a room because they were scared. And what happened? Jesus came and He appeared to them and said, Peace be with you. But things were different this time. Before Jesus died, the disciples hung out with Jesus 24-7. They were always with Jesus. This time, Jesus was with them for just a few hours and then He disappeared. And they didn't see him again until the following week when he showed up again, this time to show Thomas, I am really alive. Thomas stopped doubting and believed. But again, Jesus is with them for just a short time and then he disappears again. But before he does, he tells his disciples, go up to Galilee, there I'm going to appear to you. And so that's what the disciples do. They go up to Galilee waiting for Jesus to appear to them. And that's where we pick up in John chapter 21, beginning with verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared to His disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. So the disciples made it to Galilee, just like Jesus told them to. And there, they wait. And they wait. And they wait. Where is Jesus? And I'm sure they asked themselves the same question that all of us have asked ourselves at some point. What are we doing with our life? What are we supposed to do with our life? Are we supposed to go back to fishing? Are we supposed to go back to our careers? Jesus, what are we supposed to do? We're just in this limbo. And so Peter finally is tired of sitting around. He says, that's it. I'm going, I'm going to go out and fish. And the rest said, we're going to go with you. Not a surprise. Uh, the majority of the disciples before following Jesus were professional fishermen. And they fished the Sea of Galilee as a career. Every night they were out there fishing. And so they knew the lake. They knew where the fish were. They knew where they weren't. They knew what time of day to go, and that was at night. And so that's what they do. They go out and fish. But despite being professional fishermen, what happens? They fish for 12 hours, and they catch nothing. You think they were a bit frustrated? Do you think they're losing their patience? They have no idea what's going on. They're waiting for Jesus to appear. Where is He? And now they spent all night with something that they're supposed to be able to control, something that they're supposed to be good at, and they have no success whatsoever. I would be extremely frustrated. And then it becomes morning, and Jesus appears to them. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. You talk about adding uh, salt to the wound, right? Uh, 
here the disciples fish all night, the professional fishermen, and Jesus stands on the shore, and, and they don't know it's Jesus, and, and he calls out, hey guys, haven't you any fish? And they have to admit their failure. We have a pond in the backyard, uh, a retention pond where I go fishing, and I fish for maybe 45 minutes, and if I'm not catching anything, I go back inside. But I'll tell you what, when, when somebody walks by and, and, and they ask me, hey, have you caught anything? I feel a lot better about myself when I'm able to say yes. I don't know if it's an ego thing, a pride thing, or what, but it's embarrassing to say no. You feel like a failure. And I'm not a professional. These guys are professional fishermen. And they fish for 12 hours and they catch nothing. And then they have to admit to some guy on the, on the shore of their failures. Here's what Jesus says. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. Why did they listen to Jesus? Some random guy on the shore tells them, Throw your, your net on the right side of the boat. And so they do it. They've been fishing all night. They, weren't, they had to be fishing from both sides. And why are you listening to some random guy when you're a professional fisherman that you don't know or you think you don't know? Well, maybe they were just so exhausted they said, hey, we'll try this one last time. Maybe in the back of their minds, they, maybe they thought, is this Jesus? And so they do it. And they catch such a large number of fish that they can't pull in the, the net. They can't haul it in. And it clicks for John. I know who it is. And he says, it's the Lord. And when Peter hears that, impulsive Peter jumps in the water and swims to shore. He can't wait for everybody else. He swims to shore while everyone else pulls in the net behind him and pulls in the boat. And when they get to the shore, here's what they find. When they landed, they saw a fire burning up a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. He was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Imagine fishing all night and not catching anything. And then in one cast of the net, you bring in 153 fish. 20 would have been good. 50. But 153. By the way, you want to know that uh, this was an eyewitness account. That number right there, 153. If you're making up a story, you don't put 153. You put something like 150, 155. You do round numbers. This was an exact amount because John was there. John counted the fish and it had such a big impact on him that the number stuck in his brain. 153 large fish. And then they get on shore and what do they see? Jesus already has a fire going and he already has fish and bread. He's got breakfast waiting for them. And Jesus 
says, go take care of your fish, bring them over here, let's have breakfast. The risen Lord appeared to the disciples and He cared for them and He provided for them. Nobody dared ask who He was because they knew it was the Lord. It's an interesting account, isn't it? What are we supposed to learn from all this? Disciples go out fishing, waiting for Jesus. Can't catch anything. Jesus appears. Have them catch 153 fish. Then He has breakfast going for them. What are we supposed to learn? Three truths for you today. Number one, on the journey of life, breakdowns will happen. This seems obvious. Pastor, why do you have to tell us this? Uh, I've experienced my own breakdowns in life. Why tell me? Well, there's three types of breakdowns. There's three things that cause breakdowns in our life. Number one, you cause breakdowns in your life. I cause breakdowns in my life by choices I make and choices I don't make. We are all sinful people. We are imperfect. And, and we fail at times like the disciples. Even the good things we're, even the things we're good at, the areas of life we're good at, we fail in those because we're imperfect people. And our choices and our lack of being perfect causes failures and breakdowns in life. But we also have breakdowns because of other people. Other people are imperfect too. We live in an imperfect world. And choices they make or choices they don't make affect us. And we, it causes breakdowns in our life. But then we also just have breakdowns because we live in a sinful world. We live in an imperfect world where bad things happen. It doesn't matter if somebody made a choice or somebody didn't make a choice. Breakdowns just happen because breakdowns happen. It's part of living in a sinful world. And like the disciples, when breakdowns happen, no matter how big or how small, they, the devil is there whispering in our ear, Jesus doesn't care. Jesus doesn't love you. Where is Jesus? He's not here. You can't see Him. He's nowhere to be found. That's how the devil starts. He starts on these little breakdowns. And he starts working on us. He starts to break down our relationship with Jesus. But here's truth number two. Jesus cares about every breakdown you have, no matter how big, no matter how small. What was the point of the miracle? Think about that for a second. Why catch 153 fish? Jesus had breakfast for the guys already on, on shore. So why have him catch 153 fish? Why didn't you just call out, Hey guys, I know you haven't caught anything. Why don't you come in and have breakfast? I've got it all prepared for you. It's because Jesus wants to know that he, he wants his disciples to know that he cares about every little breakdown that they have. The disciples failed. They couldn't catch fish. And Jesus says, I care about even the smallest little detail that you didn't catch any fish. Here, you failed. I make you not a failure. I care for you. Every little detail. And that's what Jesus wants you to know too. He cares about every detail of your life. He cares about every single breakdown that you have. And yet we, we sit here and we can say, well, 
that's true, but he doesn't provide for me like he did for the disciples. The disciples were fishing for fish, and Jesus gave them fish. Sometimes I want something in life, I need something in life, and Jesus doesn't give me what I think I need or what I, I want. And that's true. But Jesus every day blesses us. In every breakdown, every situation of life, Jesus brings blessing after blessing. But if we're honest, that's where we struggle. We struggle trusting that Jesus cares in every situation, in every breakdown. Because if he, didn't, if he did care, why didn't He take care of it beforehand? Why didn't He prevent it? And we start going down that logical path, right? And so we have this internal conflict going on. And, and one side of us, yes, we believe Jesus loves us. Yes, we believe He cares for us. After all, He died for us. He lived for us. He rose for us. He conquered sin, death, hell, and the devil for us. Absolutely, He loves and cares for us. But in the everyday little details of life, He doesn't. And so what we tend to do is look at Jesus kind of like this Greek God-like figure who lives up in heaven, who has all power, he has control, but he just doesn't care about the small details of life. That he leaves up to me. And so how do we go through life? We go through life needing to be the perfect uh, parent. We go through life needing to be the perfect spouse, the, the perfect friend, the perfect pastor. Because if we're not, if we don't make the right decisions, if we make the wrong ones, Everything's going to fall apart. Think of the overwhelming amount of pressure that puts on all of us when we live that way. When we live like Jesus is a Greek God who doesn't care about every detail of our life. It's an overwhelming amount of pressure. And when we put that pressure on us, it causes anxiety, it causes worry, it causes fear. And then when we break down, when there's breakdowns in life, It causes guilt because I didn't make the correct decisions. Jesus cares about every detail of your life. Every single breakdown Jesus cares for. And He says, I can provide no matter what. Disciples, you failed at catching fish. You failed. Bring your failure to Me and I make you not a failure. We fail as parents. We fail as employees, employers. We fail in areas of our life and Jesus says, bring it all to me. I take your sin away. I get rid of your failure. I get rid of your shame. I provide for you. I take care of you. I forgive you. And then he says, I care about every detail of your life so the pressure is off of you. You made a bad decision and and, and now... uh, Things aren't working out. Don't worry, I can provide. You made a bad decision as a parent and and now you're worried that your kid's going to be screwed up. God says, Jesus says, don't worry. I can provide and overcome this. You made a bad investment and now you're having money issues. Jesus says, don't worry. I can provide and overcome this. You make a a, a bad decision as a spouse and and now there's tension in, in in your marriage. Jesus says, don't worry. I can overcome this. I can provide. I can take care of this. Every single breakdown, Jesus says, come to me because I care about all of them. I will provide for you. I will take your sin away, your shame away. I will take your failure away and make it a blessing in your life. Jesus cares about every little detail. And then, 
Truth number three, Jesus wants you to know that He is the risen Lord. What's really interesting is the progression here. This is now the third time that Jesus appeared to His disciples. The first night was in the locked room on Easter evening. The second was a week after that with Thomas. And this is now the third. And each time the disciples have a different reaction. The first time, they were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. The second time, they believed in the Lord. This third time, we're told that they knew it was the Lord. That's what Jesus wants you to know too. He wants you to know that He is the risen Lord. Why? Because we're going to have breakdowns in life. The disciples were going to have way bigger breakdowns than just having the question of what are we supposed to do with our life and we can't catch any fish. In just a few short weeks, persecution was going to break out. They were going to be put in prison. They were going to be whipped and flogged for being Christian. And eventually, all of them would be killed, except for John, for being Christian. And Jesus says, I want you to know that I am the risen Lord. I have control over all this. I love you. I've forgiven you. I've opened up heaven for you. I am who I said I am. And that's what He wants you to know too. Because when breakdowns happen, no matter how big or how small, the devil's going to be there whispering in your ear and Jesus wants you to know, I am the risen Lord. I have conquered Him. I am in control of all things. I care for you. I love you. Come to Me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I am the risen Lord. I'd like to tell you that breakdowns won't happen and that you will never run out of, out of steam on this journey of life. But that's just not true. But when breakdowns happen, look to your risen Lord. Because He won't let breakdowns break you. He won't let breakdowns break your relationship with Him. He will be there to give you the energy, the fuel, everything you need to continue on the journey until you finally rest and you finish the race and you are with Him forever in heaven. He cares about you. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we praise and thank You that You care for us in every single detail, no matter how big or how small of a breakdown it is, You care for us. Lord, as we run this race and we start to run out of steam, we ask that You come to us through Your Word. Assure us of Your forgiveness. Assure us that uh, You did die for us, You did rise for us, and You are ruling all things for us. Send Your Holy Spirit into our hearts to strengthen our faith in You. And please, no matter what happens, don't let the breakdowns break us. Uh, but instead, let us walk hand in hand with You through this journey, knowing that You care for us. In Your name we pray. Amen.